This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. I went for a seven-kilometer run-slash-walk in the rain yesterday. I'm guessing the slash with the walk is the big... <laughs> Hold on. I went for a seven-kilometer walk-slash-run. There we go. I've been going for walks. We've been. I've, I've talked about my family walks, and one of my favorite things about this... Uh, this crazy situation we're in is I've been spending a ton of time with the family, and one of the only things you can do is is get out for a walk and, and get some exercise. But I appreciated the rain because I haven't been running, but yesterday, because it was raining, I wanted to get the walk over with quicker, and apparently <laughs> when you run, that's what happens. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I used to do. This sounds crazy, but I used to run home from the bar in Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> People would see me at like two in the morning, and I would was be chasing running. you, Jim. Who was chasing nobody? You? <laughs> but it's like a, it would be a it'd be a thirty five minute walk to my parents' place or a fifteen minute run. Uh huh. So why not you, just run and burning off some of those calories that you just consumed? All the, totally. the beers you toss back. You look like an insane criminal when you're running at two in the morning by yourself, but uh, <laughs> totally. you get home quicker and into bed. Well, I got some looks too because I had a, I had my my raincoat on with the hood pulled up and nice and tight, and <laughs> yeah. I was wearing uh, shorts. I looked like a total knob, and people were <laughs> wondering, okay, this guy's got to be up to something. Who in their right mind would just go out and run in the rain? <laughs> Stupid! I hate those people. <laughs> My back is killing me, though, today. If anyone yeah. did see me running in the rain, is like, oh, I hate that guy. Look at how healthy he is. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I am so sore. Yeah. But maybe this will be the start of something. Maybe I'll start running when it's not raining out. Maybe. We'll see how long <laughs> I can keep this going. <laughs> if something's chasing you, maybe. It's like it's like the kick I went on. Remember when I was riding my bike to work last year, Jim? <laughs> yeah, and you were so smug. The first day, you were like, oh, it's no oh, big yeah. deal. Rode my bike, whatever. I'm one of those and guys now. First week, rode my bike four times. <laughs> Next week, two times. Maybe a time after that. and <laughs> Kind of went by the wayside. Because yeah. apparently, if you drive your car, you get to where you're going faster. Who knew? What? And not sweaty and stinky. It's wild. <laughs> Major tragedy over the weekend in Kamloops, B.C. One of the snowbirds went down. This is uh, just after they made an appearance over the skies in Toronto, Hamilton, London, Ontario. To pay tribute to all the frontline workers. And, you know, that was a beautiful thing they were doing. And to have uh, this happen is heartbreaking. Um, Captain Jen Casey killed in the crash the other pilot who ejected from the plane is injured but expected to uh, make a recovery and you know i i really hadn't thought about the snowbirds jim in a while i found out that they're going to be flying over um last weekend and i had to take my three and a half year old to see them because i remember my parents taking me to see the snowbirds fly I uh, when I was out there by the airport with my son looking up, I, I told him that I once had the opportunity to fly with the Snowbirds as part of their media flight back when they still did the media flights. And when I got home, I, I dug through a box in the basement looking for, I knew I had a certificate uh, uh, saying that I, I flew with the Snowbirds. And I, 
um, I dug that out just so I could get a little street cred with my son, you know, so he'd think hmm. I was cool. Hey, one time I was basically a passenger in a snowbird, and I knew how cool that made me. So just imagine how cool those who knew Captain Jen Casey thought she was. She mm-hmm. was, uh, by all accounts, because she was the media person as well, so she did a lot of talking on radio stations, TV stations about the Snowbirds. Uh, a lot of our colleagues and friends uh, either knew Jen Casey or they were uh, personally very close with Jen Casey. And it's just such a heartbreaker, man. Yeah, and it's just terrible timing. I mean... What what do you say about it? It's, you know, it was yeah, such a beautiful right. gesture, and then like this has to happen. It's, it's just it's just awful. It was supposed to be like this glimmer. You look up in the sky, and there's this glimmer of hope as we're all going through this dark time. I, I mean, you really the only positive you can uh, you can get out of this whole thing. It crashed into a house in Kamloops, and you think everyone's at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, isolating. Luckily, no one in the house was killed. Uh, I mean, the tragedy could have been worse, but uh, to lose a Canadian uh, member of the the forces, it's it's a heartbreaker. How confusing and terrifying would it have been to be in that neighborhood? Oh my God. Well, even watching some of the videos, and I couldn't watch, I saw one, and it was filmed from a distance, but the reaction of the people who were there, initially they thought it was part of the the show because the plane kind of went into a roll, and everyone in the video was like, whoa, look at that. Mm -hmm. And then when they realized the plane was not uh, gaining altitude, they quickly started freaking out, profanities, and as you can imagine, Mm -hmm. a state of shock just being able to see the plane go down. But if you were in that house or in that, well, sitting here right now, we're in our homes. What if a plane crashed into your house? It would be be the last thing you would think that would be. You would think, you know, maybe a gas explosion. It's just, it's just this statistic anomaly that that happened to somebody. The question is out there. Will this be the end of the snowbirds? Um, But I I think that's a conversation that we can have another day uh, today. We just want to uh, send our condolences out to the friends and family of Captain Jen Casey. And I mentioned uh, my my flight, my one afternoon I got to fly with the Snowbirds. I'm holding the certificate in my hand, and I just wanted to read what it says. This is titled, High Flight. Oh, I have slipped the surly bonds of earth and danced the Hmm. skies on laughter-silvered wings. Sunward I've climbed and joined the tumbling mirth of sun-split clouds and done a hundred things you have not dreamed of. That one's for you, Captain Jen Casey. Pearl Jam getting a lot of attention over the past uh, couple days. Um, The Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, released its final two episodes over the weekend, and they uh, they launched on Netflix yesterday, so you can watch them here in Canada on Netflix. And the final uh, song that is played in the documentary is a song from Pearl Jam. It's a bit of a deep cut, and people are like, oh, what, what song is that? It was just perfect where they played it.
You recognize it, Jim? No. Song's called Present Tense from the album No Code. Hearing it after watching the the end of Last Dance, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about the uh, the montage of the Bulls dunking and Michael Jordan. Turns out he's really good at basketball. That was my takeaway from that documentary. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're looking for that tune, No Code is the album it's on. Present Tense is the name of the song, the Pearl Jam song in the Last Dance documentary. <laughs> you, don't give Michael Jordan a reason to want to beat you at basketball. You can't look at Michael Jordan the wrong way. You can't say anything to Michael <laughs> Jordan. You can't breathe in his direction without him becoming offended and then taking things personally in a series and coming back and dominating <laughs> you. Yeah. I've heard he does the same in golf. If you talk trash at all on the golf course, he doesn't talk to you anymore. Like, he'll put his head down and he will try his best to win and be as rude as possible while it's happening. And he probably will win. Yeah. <laughs> he's great. Thing. Apparently, he's an amazing golfer, too. He's beaten pros. <sighs> Pretty remarkable. The other thing that, uh, that is, is kind of, and this is a bit of a spoiler, so, uh, if you haven't seen the documentary, uh, you, you may want to just uh, put the earmuffs on, but, uh, you've heard of the flu game. This is 1997, yeah. uh, the playoffs, Utah Jazz versus Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan had the flu, and he still played a f fantastic game of basketball. But in, in the documentary, in the last two episodes, he talks about how the night before that game, he was hungry, 10.30 at night, ordered some pizza. They're in Utah, and five guys showed up with the pizza and they're trying to peek into the room and the trainer's like i didn't really realize uh, how suspicious it was at the time but michael jordan is the only one who ate the pizza and then he woke up at 2 30 in the morning with severe stomach cramps sick barfing you know who knows what else so he thinks it was either food poisoning but it kind of the way the story comes off it kind of makes you think that maybe these guys in utah had put something in Michael Jordan's pizza knowing it was for him. Why would you say it's for Michael Jordan if you're ordering the pizza during the playoffs in Utah? So, well, you, you figure the people of Utah, they're so nice, you know. <laughs> Salt of the earth, folks. They would never do something like that. It, it would be. I didn't think about that, but I guess it would be a concern if you're a professional athlete and you're in another city because all it takes is someone who, who's like, oh, you know, I'm going to put some laxatives in Michael Jordan's yeah. pizza, and then I'm going to put a big bet on the game because I've got inside information that he's probably going to have the scoots. <laughs> you know, that'll I just motivate him, though. <laughs> I know he'll be scooting his way up from the free throw line, dunking. Don't give Michael Jordan diarrhea; it'll just make him more determined to beat your team. And that's what <laughs> happened. Uh, the Bulls yeah. won that game. So I hope those guys. I hope if. if if, in fact, there was a bunch of guys at a pizza place in Utah who poisoned Michael Jordan's pizza, I hope they took all their money <laughs> out of their bank accounts, remortgaged their houses, and they put all that money on the Utah Jazz to win that game, thinking <laughs> Michael Jordan was going to have diarrhea, and then he still played that game, and, and they lost all their cash. That would be sweet justice. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way it, it should work. That's karma right there. Ah. Uh.
Weird to think he was playing with the flu now, though, that the COVID is here, right? That's like, right. that's the most devastating thing about this story is that he dared step on the court potentially with the flu. Yeah, he would have been like, it's just food poisoning if, you, if it was this season, right? You don't want to <laughs> yeah, walk yeah, out yeah. there with the, with the sweats and, uh, and holding your stomach in, in this day and age, that's for sure. Now, the other weird thing is, like, why wouldn't anyone else have a slice of that pizza? He was in a room with a bunch of people. Nobody else had the pizza. It's Jordan's pizza. You know what I mean? The man man has it. Well, this is the rumor, Jim. The rumor is that he used to spit on his food so no one else would eat it. (laughs) What is this guy? (laughs) So, seriously, I read an article, and apparently Michael Jordan, when food would show up, he'd, he'd spit on it. He'd be like, this is mine. <laughs> and then nobody else would want to take steal a slice because it had yeah. Jordan Hork on it. <laughs> as much as I would not want to be his friend from all, all sounds of it, like that's what it takes to be as good as Michael Jordan. You almost have to be that much of a psycho. Yeah. Well, when everyone wants a piece of you, dude, like, you can't give. You only have so much to give. And if you're mm-hmm. the biggest celebrity in the world and you still have to go out there and perform on that court at the level that he performed, obviously there's going to be people who don't think you're a nice guy. I, I have nothing but respect for Michael Jordan. That documentary was awesome. And I'm sure Pearl Jam very happy to be a part of it because we know they're basketball fans, right? The original name of of the band, Pearl Jam, Mookie Blaylock, yeah. named after a basketball player. So very fitting that, uh, that they're tuned. Uh, closed off the documentary. Now, Jim, uh, I'm not going to say that I can predict the future, but this is pretty coincidental, wouldn't you say? Um, Last week on the show, we were talking about the return of professional sports. When most sports come back, there's not going to be fans in the crowd. Mm -hmm. And we had the discussion, will they have virtual crowds? Are they going to pump crowd noise in that's one of the uh, the rumors they might use stock footage from old games to make it look like there's people in attendance and do you remember what my suggestion was uh was it to put i think it was to put japanese sex dolls in the in the crowd right wasn't it yeah. <laughs> wasn't that your solution yeah because we had a story last week as well about these sex dolls that are very lifelike they've got heartbeats and you can hear them breathing and i said well yeah, you put yeah. some of those in the stands at a professional sporting event no one would know the difference cut to this headline over the weekend coronavirus football fc soul apologizes for sex dolls in the stands <laughs> <laughs> no Top flight South Korean uh, uh, soccer team, football team, was uh, in some hot water over the weekend. And uh, in South Korea, pornography is illegal, but there were some premium sex dolls in the stands. And some of them had were featuring advertising for pornographic websites on them. Now, the, the football club insists that they thought they were not premium sex dolls. They thought they were just premium mannequins. That's what they were told by a company that called them, called Dalcom. So this Dalcom company called up the uh, the football club and says, Hey, you looking to fill some seats? Because we got some premium mannequins that can do the yeah. job. <laughs> 
And then Dalcom says that they put the uh, headbands and they put the the websites on the sex dolls just because they wanted to get a picture before the game started, and they forgot to take them off before the cameras were on. It was a, why would you wear a shirt with the advertisement on? It's, well, they wanted. This to is send, the worst lying they, ever. They want. Yeah, it sounds like a, a BS excuse, but they say they wanted to take a picture to show some of their clients uh-huh. who have these websites. Um, but they forgot to take the uh, the headbands and all the other T-shirts that had the websites on them off of the sex dolls before the game started. There were 30 mannequins, 28 of them female, two of them male. Oh, there we go. So, yeah, mixing it up a bit. <laughs> well, I wonder what kind of features a male sex doll. Like, Because is there one, two male sex dolls in the crowd just helicoptering the whole game to show their support? Well, they weren't wearing sweatpants, let's put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Got to keep that thing contained. Okay, this is the uh, official from FC Seoul, the football club. Lee Ji Ji Hoon is his name. He told the BBC that they didn't do a background check on the company Dalcom, and they didn't realize they worked in the sex industry. Mr. Lee admitted he did think the dolls looked, quote, very human. But it very didn't, sexy. Enter, didn't enter his mind that they could be sex dolls. <laughs> Aside from the sex part of the doll, why even bother putting 30 in the crowd? Who is that for? The, there's 10,000 seats. I know. Why? I know. It's, it, we all know there's not fans. You know, you're not fooling yeah, it's like, anybody. It's like having a Big Bang Theory laugh track with only two people laughing. <laughs> Why? <laughs> right. It's not helping the situation. Just cut it if, out. If you're going to put sex dolls in the crowd, you need at least 10,000. <laughs> That's the rule. Trust yes. us. We're the experts on this. It was our idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jim. Uh, mm. You're a little ashamed of something, but you seemed ready to open up to us. Uh, what's going on? Well, I talk about video games, play a lot of video games, computer games. You know, I'm I'm embracing my my geek culture and my geeky lifestyle, but I think I've taken it to another level. I went down a wormhole on the internet of things called solitaire board games, Taz, and that's (laughs) not board games have anything to do with the card game solitaire, but it's board games you play by yourself. I'm a super competitive board game player, Uh and so I was immediately intrigued. So I ended up buying... Two board games that you play by yourself. Uh, one was a wow. Dungeons and Dragons one. It's called wow. Castle. Of- <laughs> it's called Castle of Ravenloft. Because I I wanted to try Dungeons and Dragons a long time ago, and I bought a box at some hobby shop, and then I uh-huh. opened it up, and it was just a book, and you have to like sit around and use your imagination with your friends. So I never used it, but this one is like a board. You you have like characters. You go around the board. You fight monsters, and it's great. And it, you play it by yourself. You, not only did you buy a Dungeons and Dragons game, Jim, but just to take it to a whole nava level of nerdiness, you mm-hmm. got the version that you can't play with friends. Well, you can't. Technically, it's one to five players. So me and my girlfriend did play it on Friday night. Oh, I bet she was thrilled. <laughs> we did. It was fun. She's she likes that stuff too, kinda. But uh-huh. she didn't play for the rest of the weekend with me, that's for sure. But Friday we had a good time. I think maybe I was into it more than she was. Well, I, I'll, I will tell you this. My wife on the weekend, I was very impressed 
she we've got golden tea golf and it's his video arcade golf machine she said to me she's like i'd like to play a round of golden tea with you and i was like wow whoa foreplay <laughs> somebody's oh, you know turn me on. Yeah, yeah, somebody's talking my language. <laughs> <laughs> and she played one round and that was enough and she hasn't yeah. asked about it since. That's that's a good night with your buddies uh, playing golden tea and watching YouTube vids on your laptop for four okay. hours. Well, I have a feeling okay. that you're not, you're not just you keep this up. This is your idea of a date night. It's going to be more than playing Dungeons and Dragons that you're doing solo. <laughs> Well, the worst part is, I, I, so I showed her that. We were like, oh, this is fun. So I bought another one. I love Risk. <laughs> I love Axis and Allies. This one is like a World War II tank game. It's called Field Commander Rommel. And I showed my girlfriend, and she saw the picture on the box. She goes, are you a Nazi? And I was like, what are you talking about? And then I look closer, and it turns out there's like an iron cross. Uh -huh. well, it's not necessarily a Nazi thing, but the Nazis used it a lot, like the black iron yeah, cross. Yeah. And and then I was like, uh oh. So I I googled Rommel, and it's like Rommel is a German World War II tank commander. I was like, is this a Nazi game? So you you you're, it's from the Germans' perspective. Oh, you're the but bad guy. I already guys. bought it. <laughs> you're, you, it came. It's like if it, you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, and you're the dragon. <laughs> it's, I you know. know. You're it's supposed like it to be a highly, wizard or. I, I looked it up and it, it like it came highly recommended from the alt right, but I didn't. I just thought it was a fun game. <laughs> so what do you do? You gonna play it? Well, it's got a great. I don't think it's just for Nazis. Is it bad? I I don't know. <laughs> That's the, is that written on the front of the box? Field I Commander don't think Rommel. It's, just it's for not Nazis. just for Nazis anymore. <laughs> Jim Kelly, Taz, and Jim. <laughs> Don't put our names on that product, Whoops. please. Uh, well, maybe they made the game so you can't win. Mm -mm. Is that is that the trick? It, it's supposed to get people who want to pretend to be Nazis all excited, and then in the end, you get you lose to Canada and America and England. Ideally, Losers. I, I hope I want to get my ass kicked on D Day. Vimy Ridge. Let's do it. Uh, well, I'm glad you're playing that one by yourselves. <laughs> maybe you shouldn't have maybe you shouldn't even tell people about that one. Forget not playing it with them. Don't even tell them about it. A little too late now. Yeah, it is. Well, enjoy. You got a big day planned for uh oh, buddy. for today. I figure it's better than looking at screens all day. How many sides of of die are there in the games? There's there's only one die, but there's twenty sides on this bad oh, boy. Yeah, I didn't even think that go. existed. There you go. You, why do you need friends when you have a twenty sided die? The good thing is I no longer have friends. <laughs> Taz and Jim, and we were hoping for a little more sun on the weekend, but we did have a nice Saturday. And from all accounts, golf courses in the Taz and Jim listening area were bumping, totally packed. Uh, was it a little different to get out there and play golf? Jim, you didn't get a chance to uh, no. swing the clubs, did you? Uh, neither did I, I, but I know our good friend Mark Cameron did. Good morning, Cam. Morning, Jet. Now, uh, you got to get out there and play some golf on the weekend. What was it like? How was it different? Uh, it was it was kind of the same, which is nice. So we had an early tea time. We had a 7.40 tea time, and it was me and three other gentlemen. 
And it's funny, we got up and said, you know, we were excited to go and play, and you're shooting out of bed where it's tougher to get out of bed these days, you know, for work or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> you got out there. You got out there, and they, everybody had their own cart, which wasn't a terrible thing. Right. Um, it, yeah, it was okay with that, and you kind of kept your distance. So there's a lot of room on a golf course anyway, so you can kind of keep your distance. And we So you that. couldn't, like when your buddy was trying to line up a putt, you couldn't sneak up behind him, put your hands on his hands, and, you know, really make him feel it in the hips? To try yeah, to... it wasn't. Ch- Chubbs would have a hard time, have a hard time with the physical distancing. So we couldn't all do that in the but, hips. It's all the in the hips. <laughs> the other classics came out too, but it was that way. And the interesting thing was uh, the foam in the hole. Like, so you're not allowed to pull the pin, and yeah. so they have a little piece of foam in the hole. So your ball will will, will fall into the hole, but not enough so you can pick it up with two fingers. Um, that was a change of pace. If you're used to pulling the pin for years, I mean, they changed the rule last year, but it was it was different that way. But the thing was, yeah, you're used to putting more than two fingers in the hole, so that must have been strange for you, Cam. <laughs> yeah, of course, absolutely. You usually get your whole <laughs> hand in there. Yeah, you know, when you're, when you're trying to get your golf ball, man. But uh, it was. It There's was so many things about golf that can be made into double entendres. Yeah. Isn't it fantastic? Yeah. <laughs> Don't a lot of these golf courses have that thing, though, too, where you kind of take your putter and you lift up that little lever, and then the thing, like, those are awesome. You know what I'm talking about, Taz? Where you. No. It's like, it's like a thing that goes over the flag in the hole, and it's like a plunger that you can use your putter to pull up, oh, and then it right, pulls right, the right. ball out. Some courses were installing those. Those are so great. The, yeah, so the ball would go in the hole, and then you can just flip it out with the little thing on the stick. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you were you able to get a? Uh, you golf pretty early in the morning, but I know that's never stopped you before. Were you able to get a beer? Uh, yeah, uh, you know, as we know, last year uh, the Ontario government changed it to nine o'clock. So by the time we hit uh, between nine and stop of the snack, snack jack, we uh, we loaded up and I called beers, and I think that was one of the best parts of it all. Was, being on the course and kind of having that normality of, of having a pint in the course is really nice. Not only getting back out onto the golf course, which is amazing, but even just getting outside and walking somewhere that's not a sidewalk. Seeing people in real life instead of on a Zoom call. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. I'd never be more happy to get a sunburn, to be honest. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I would... Well, now you're going to have, though, you're going to have the weird isolation burn, uh, beard burn. <laughs> so your cheeks and your forehead are going to be burnt. <laughs> but if you shave that beard that you've grown over the past two months, you're going to have like a, just a white Homer Simpson style Fred Flintstone looking <laughs> thing on your face. Uh, first five o'clock shadow. Hey, bud, thanks for, thanks for letting us know about the, the golf experience. Hopefully we can get out there and play with you sometime this summer, okay? Absolutely, gents. Take care. All right, cheers. Well, I wanted to talk about golf, and I wanted to talk about how things are kind of getting back to normal because they say today and this week are huge. It's, uh, it's a crucial time here, a critical transition as phase one of Ontario's gradual reopening begins today. And that means that more places are opening up today. Uh, construction, uh, all construction is good to go. Certain health and medical services will be opening up. Uh, seasonal recreational activities, health, household and animal services uh, are opening up today. And also retail stores outside of shopping malls are opening today as long as they have street front entrances and they can maintain physical distan- distancing measures inside the store. So hmm. you will be able to go into a store today if you really want to, if you've been, uh, 
you know, maybe you need to buy a new pair of pants, another <laughs> another couple inches on the old waistline. Yeah. You'll be able to go to the store as of today as long as you stay away from uh, from everybody. And I know I talked to a number of retailers over the weekend who were saying they've completely reconfigured their stores, made them less cluttered. Uh, basically, uh, well, I know Archie, uh, who owns Archie's in Grand Bend, said his place looks like a giant dance floor now. So there's plenty of room. Okay. To, uh, to stay away. He's moved everything kind of off to the side so you can go in and there's room for you to get around in the store. But cool. if this is something you've been waiting for, uh, get out there. You can support the local retailers because retail stores outside of shopping malls as of today are open. Just respect those social distancing rules and don't ruin it for everyone else, okay? Thank you very much for checking out the Taz and Jim podcast. If you want to listen to us the old-fashioned way, live on the radio, you can do that on FM 96 in London or Y108 in Hamilton weekday mornings from 5.30 until 9.30. Or subscribe, keep downloading the podcasts, and we'll keep talking.